of America, Washington, D.C., signing on. And hosted by me, the best-selling author of The Gorilla's Guide to the Balfang Radio and The Gorilla Dispatch Volumes 1 and 2. You're probably noticing that the audio, there's a little bit of an echo in here. We are live here in the G-Camp, the classroom of the G-Camp, and I am joined by a very special guest. A guy that I've had on uh, probably, what, two months ago now? About two months, yeah. Yeah. Two, three months. But uh, Master Sergeant Brian Morris. Retired. Retired. I was going to throw that in at the very yeah. end, right? The very end. Um, but from 3rd Special Forces Group, and if his name is familiar to you, and it should be, he has written the Green Beret Survival Guide and the Green Beret Bushcrafting Guide, which is brand new out there. I had him on the show when that book was about to drop. And uh, we've had a hell of a time up here. You know, we've been, been taking a tour of the facility, hanging out down on the range, coming up here. Telling was, war stories. Tell, telling a few war stories and, <laughs> and just having a good time, man. And, uh, brother, it is it is great to have you here. Thank you. It's good to be here. Um, Where, where to start? So we were, we were talking about Lizard Lady. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of for a horse of a different color, man, because the, the Lizard Lady. So for all the listeners out there who don't know, uh, the lady freaking out on the plane and and uh, uh, an apology already to a, a buddy of mine who you know who you are and I know you're going to be listening to this who wanted me to speak on it and I was like, nah, man, you know, like that's that's a little weird and I try not to talk about <laughs> tenfold hat kind of stuff, you know. But but we're living in weird times. We are living in weird times and I mean we've all seen the we've all seen the video. I mean she's she's pretty good looking. You know, so I mean, you could cut the volume off and just, you know, look at that and be like, oh man, yeah, she's freaking out on a plane. Uh, let me help you out. But um, <laughs> all joking aside, though, uh, we, we were talking about that, kind of giving our, our thoughts on it in, in our conversation and um, talking about some of the weird stuff that's going on in the world. And my thought on the whole thing is that. The whole video, the whole thing is fake. The the uh, probably was done on you know a movie set somewhere. I don't know. We haven't we haven't really found anybody out there in the social media spaces, to my knowledge. And I could be completely wrong about this, um, but we haven't really found anybody in the social media space that said you know, 
hey, I, yeah, I was on there, she was freaking out, or like, it's really nothing verified. And the other thing, too, is we never saw any flight attendants get close to her, try and calm her down. It was just real, everything was a little too perfect. I don't know, just kind of my thought on it. What do you think, bro? You know, if you'd asked me a couple years ago, I'd been right there with you, but it's been a pretty weird year. You know, there's a lot, we, all this stuff coming out about UFOs and aliens and stuff. And, I, you know, it's hard to know what to believe anymore, man. I, I couldn't tell you. I saw a little clip of that video and, you know, she definitely was, I, I think she was either a really good actress or she believed, you know, what she was saying, whether it was real or not. I mean, we have a major mental health problem in this country right now. So, you know, it's very possible that she just lost her mind. You know, it's hard to say, man. No telling, dude. Yeah. Really <laughs> 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 yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head. It's, the, the mental health freakouts and people are, you know, just doing all sorts of crazy shit out there. And uh seems like they're getting wilder and wilder. You know, and uh, that's why getting yourself more prepared in all aspects of survival yeah i I agree with that 100 percent, man you know if you think about it i mean does it really matter does it matter if you're if you're if you're prepared then whoever your enemy is in life you know whatever whatever it is whatever threats are out there whatever you know all, all the risks if you do things to mitigate those risks and you prepare yourself you know uh lizard people aside because you know that's all bets are off at that point man but (laughs) you know i mean yeah sometimes you're you're just done you know i mean i i guess if there's like if there's aliens on the dark side of the moon you know they want to fry us we're we're pretty much fried but yeah um for 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 the everyday monsters that are out there that we know are real you know if you prepare yourself it doesn't it doesn't matter it could be any threat and as long as you're ready for it you know you're you're going to be ready because trying to pinpoint what what the exact threat is, is is a lot harder than just being blanket prepared you know for all contingencies yeah 100% man i i don't think that you can be prepared for 100% no you you can't i mean when i say that i say it you yeah. know with a li- you, you got to give a little bit of grain of salt in there. I mean, there, there are things that are going to happen. Shit's going to happen. But yeah. if you're prepared, if you have a plan going into it, you know, they say in the military, well, at least they say in the Army, uh, you know, no, no firefight, you know, sur- no plan survives first, first contact. So if you're right. in a tick or troops in contact or whatever, somebody's shooting at you, whatever plan you had usually goes out the window. But if you have a plan coming into it, then bits and pieces of that plan are going to be used throughout whatever it is that you're doing and eventually it'll come back together again you know you have a lot more chance of falling apart as a unit if you don't go into a situation with a plan if you just think you're going to wing it you know things are just going to get worse and worse and usually when bad things happen they happen in sequentially so like one thing happens and then things just build on it they get worse and worse and worse like a parachute jump that goes bad right it's not usually one thing it's usually like a multiple things that happen Yep. When you when you look at when you break it down and figure out you know how that mishap happened, you find out you know same thing with aviation or any risky thing that you do. 
you know, it, end up with cascading failures. Exactly. You know, it's yeah. uh, the, the breakdown. So, I mean, perfect example. So, running the scout course here, the, the last one that we ran back in February. Um, so, I know some of the listeners who, who were in that class, I mean, we're talking about a, a element that was uh, 30 men deep mm-hmm. on that patrol. So, I mean, it, yeah, it was a huge class. And, um, you know, they – very, very simple instruction for their nighttime movement to contact. You always put in support by fire first. Your assault element moves around as soon as they're set. You know, I mean, this is, this is just basics. Well, very, very, you know, keep, keep yeah. it simple. Get your security in. Put your, put your support in. Right. And put your assault line in. Exactly. Yeah. Their, their pre-mission rehearsal before they began movement was great. Right. Yeah. Did everything. Everybody, you know, north, south, they understand everything. Right. All right. We're going to begin movement. Movement was very good, uh, very quiet. Uh, they, they got into a very good position. The problem was, was that that last 200, 250 meters or so they had to move, everything went out the window. And, 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 and yeah. you know, it all comes down to fundamentals. You know, yep. if you have a good base of fundamentals, you know how to, to IMT, you know, individual movement techniques, you understand how to lay down a base of fire. You understand how to acquire a target. You understand how to how to support by fire, how to how to move in conjunction with support by fire. So somebody's pulling security, somebody's moving, and you're leaping, leapfrogging, doing those types of things, bounding, bounding overwatch. Yep. If you have that kind of a base of knowledge, you're gonna have a much better chance of surviving that first round downrange, especially if you were the one that was surprised. Because, you know, we always plan to do, you know, raids, recons, ambushes. We're the aggressor, right. you know. But it doesn't always work out like that, does it? <laughs> you know? No, especially <laughs> not when they had they had an op four waiting for them yep. on that hilltop. Yeah, but they did. Was, that yeah. was squared away. But it, now if they, had, if they had a really good base fundamental knowledge of, you know, basic infantry techniques, they would have probably fared much better. Than they did. I, I don't know what, what kind of mixed match group you had, but I can imagine. What, what ended up happening was they knew what they were supposed to do. They knew the concept of the operation, mm-hmm. um, and they got recocked and had to do it again because someone who was in charge of that, who was mm-hmm. for that scenario, was, right. was a patrol leader. Uh, dude, it was that cognitive overload of just oh shit, yeah. I don't know what to do now, and you, you know. Under duress, we always default to that. Now, do you uh, do, do you use the two uh, one third two thirds rule for you know uh, you want to spend no more than one third of your time planning for an right. operation. You right. want to spend two thirds of your time rehearsing. Exactly. Yeah. And they uh that that's that's stress to them, um, particularly on the third day when they're getting ready for their raid. It's the, you know, the, um, in the scout course, everything builds sequentially up to the next event. So they, they say, oh, okay, now we've got a frame of reference to this. And so for that night patrol, a lot of their, uh, their pre-mission rehearsal, that's also a pre-mission rehearsal for the raid that they do on day three. And so they, they understand, oh, okay, now I know how, you know, it really looks when you set in your support by fire, and then we'll 
we're waiting on the assault element and the support by fire opens up and that initiates the, the entire uh, symphony of destruction. Right. You know? And then it, it's, so they're rehearsing all of that, but it also makes rehearsal a lot easier on day three because the guys are already wore out. Um, you know, they, they were up till zero one zero two the night before. And so it's, uh, instead of breaking guys down where you do like in an environment like ranger school or sniper school or, you know, mm-hmm. driving sage, where guys are, are worn completely out because you're being tested on your skill once you're there. But when you're in a class like this one, it's it's uh, you're really trying to learn that fundamental and apply those fundamentals and then take them away. Right. Because, you, you know, you have to be able to... Yeah, I mean, uh, that's what they're here for. And, and this is failure-based right. learning. Right. You know, one-on-one, right. so that, I think that's a good way to go about it. You know, that's the same way that we do it when we're teaching guys in the military. Yep. You know, um, you don't really learn a lot when you're successful. You know, you learn when your failures are highlighted and you can see, you know, in real time what it is that you're doing wrong and why what you did was wrong. It's one thing for me as an instructor, you know, to tell somebody, hey, that's fucked up, don't do it like that. It's another thing, you know, it's another yes. thing for them to, you know, whatever, have no noise and light discipline and, and walk their patrol up to where they're going to do a raid. And all of a sudden, you know, the sentry yes. sees them and they get they get taken by by some guys that were laying in ambush and it just ruins their day. And they're like, oh, I see. Maybe I should have kept my mouth shut, my, 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 my flashlight off, you know. So, <laughs> so yes, that's... Uh... Another story about that was making that point of, you know, your weapon setups. And, and you know, earlier today when we were discussing, um, you know, training techniques and uh, kind of how I do it here and, and the reason that I utilize blanks. Um, one of the things is, is that, you know, the students are bringing their weapons to class that they intend on using. You know, this is... Um, hey, I, you know, I bought this, this rifle. Most of them are, are AR platforms. And I have this set up, you know, for whatever reason, man. Ranging from this is, this is practical. Uh, I do have a lot of people that, that come from various backgrounds, military backgrounds, law enforcement backgrounds, and, and a lot of regular civilians as well. Um, they're bringing what they intend to use, you know, bump in the night. Hey, yeah, that's, gotta a, go do that's a great idea. Shit. Even in... in, in uh in our school, we have a small school, Jam Dynamic, and in our school, we we ask guys to bring their own weapons as well. Now we also use a 22 platform, AR-15, 22, and an air a, a, a 22 pistol and a 410 shotgun, just to keep it. For one thing, it keeps the ammo is just so damn expensive these days. Oh yeah, you know. Yeah. And and I was asking students to bring upwards of 300 rounds of ammo, you know. For for two two three that that can get expensive you know yep but when we we do the training with the twenty twos they it's just a lot cheaper you know yeah. and it's really came down to a cost thing plus it's it's a noise issue um, I don't have quite as much property as you do mm-hmm. I do have people within a half mile of me and you know on a we do our classes on Sunday morning so mm-hmm. people oh, get a little yeah. pissed when there's yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean yeah. It's, uh, yeah. but, but guys that, that'll show up and they'll have, you know, like their, their one rifle that is, is kind of the do all. And one of the big things in, in our, you know, the contemporary firearms community, 
a lot of the, the quote-unquote common knowledge or what uh, Pat McNamara would call institutional inbreeding, which mm-hmm. is, is a, I think is, is a genius term. It's such a, such a good catch-all um, for what it is. You know, kind of the, the common knowledge is, well, every weapon needs to have a white light on it, right? Because they, they, you know, that, that's been, especially when Iraq was hot and heavy, yeah, I mean, that made sense. Um, that totally made sense, man. You know, nowadays it's like, okay, maybe maybe you don't want to have that white light on that weapon for all, all intents and purposes. If I'm doing something like rural patrolling, movement to contact, you know, kind of the classical small unit tactics, and you need to disable that thing. I tell you what, I, I've seen guys have ADs before, but light, you know, yeah. light ADs, yeah. and I, I tape mine. I do have a white light on my M4, mm-hmm. or my AR-15, I should say. I no longer have an M4. <laughs> um, You've got something better. I wish now. I did. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I put I put tape over it just because I'm afraid that, you know, and, yep. and, and mine's for home defense. Right. You know, but that's just for years and years of doing that, you know, and it's just for me, I just feel better having it that way. I can quickly take it off. I have it like a little, yep. almost almost like a cap. And you can buy caps for lights. Yeah. Just like you have for a scope, where you can actually just pop it down and yep. pop it up when you want to use it, you know. And it, yeah, that's definitely something I would do if I was just a novice setting up. A, you know, you see some of these setups some of these guys have. I mean, it's crazy the kind of stuff you can buy. I couldn't when I was an 18 Bravo weapons guy, you know, on, on my team, and we were responsible for getting all the cool guy shit for our weapons mm-hmm. on, on a you know purchasing that stuff on the civilian market. Yeah. And uh, the the availability was nothing, you know. And that's just we're talking. I retired in 2012, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not that long ago, man. But you can just get so many different pieces, parts for either an AR-15 or a AK-47 or whatever type of carbine that you're setting up. You know, I mean, there's just yeah. a ton of options right now. And the thing is, I think there's maybe too much. And a lot of these guys are coming to these courses and they have no clue. Because I have the same thing. I have guys bring their personal weapon with them because I want to make sure that it's zeroed, first of all, that their optics are zeroed. And I've seen Everybody some crazy stuff. You know, they have weapon to class. Yeah, right. Until they get on the range and it's like, I don't know what happened. Yeah. Like, I know what didn't happen. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's funny because there's a lot of people that are totally unzeroed and they have optics you know six eight inches above the barrel you know so you're talking about you know a a major need there that needs to get taken care of so we we take care of that in our course um but yeah there's there's a lot of options out there for sure yeah one of the one of the things talking about white lights because i get some interesting looks from people um yeah, once you fire the first round, I mean, yeah, you're not. It's not like you're you're yeah. under nods when you yeah. go. What do, what do you do when you go and you're doing CQB? I mean, you're not. Once the, once the shooting starts, the element of surprise is over. <laughs> yeah, like, now it's violence of action. They know, you know you're it, there, and you want to you want to be as violent as possible. You know, and the we, best way to do that is to see what you're shooting at. So yeah. we uh, so that one of the best pieces of gear though that that I found um, way back in the day. So this was like. And this was probably what well, had to have been 2009. Had to have been. It had, because I'm pretty sure it was. But I, I still use this. Um, 
Kyle Lamb, when he came out with his, his little offset light mount, right. I don't even know if they still make those things. Um, there's probably other companies that are making them now. Like, you don't... I, I can remember before they, they had the rail system, we used to use uh, just, what do you call it, uh, like a ring, you know, where... where yeah, you, yeah, you, slip rings. A slip ring, yeah. yeah. And we just put them on there. Yeah. I mean, that, you do what you got to do, you know. But, yeah. but the, the thing with lights is... You got to remember, if you turn your light on, you know, you just uh, you just targeted yourself. You, yeah. So you better be, if you're going to use it to check dead space or something like that. I suggest having some sort of a trigger mechanism or a, a press. You know, they have those press pads that you yep. can put onto your weapon and plug it into the light itself. So when you put pressure on it on the pad, the light comes on. Take pressure off the pad, the light goes off. But you don't want to just turn a light on and have it. You know, bouncing around on your on your weapon as you try and clear rooms, that's a bad idea. Worst case, it, you know, you, you hit it, cut it on, and you don't know. Now, I had yeah, a guy in class, that was, he was he was running dual tube knots. He didn't just AD it. It, it stayed on. Yeah, like, right. And, yeah. and the thing was, was that uh, they were getting ready to move for their, their first night patrol. That's, you know, and, and we weren't too far out from their SP point. Um, we were probably 100 meters away. And all of a sudden, you know, and I just told them, like, hey, take your take your white lights off. You know, that, that was the nice thing about uh, Kyle Lamb's device that he came up with, is that it was rail mounted and it was mm -hmm. like easy on, easy off. Sure. And, I mean, yeah. and, and it's kind of, like, with all the technology and stuff that's out there now, like, uh, QD stuff and everything like I think it's probably he probably don't make it anymore because it's a little obsolete now but I still use it um, because because of that reason I can take it off and, and put it away pack it you know in your salt pack or whatever and it's it's out of the way so but I could also index it again if I needed to throw it back on anyway just talking about this guy in particular he uh, he his light came on and it stayed on because he's wearing like way more gear than necessary for doing what he was doing. Right. And you know, everybody kind of, you know, you're carrying at the low ready and you know, so as soon as you start moving with a little more gear than what you're used to moving with, you know, you're starting to rattling. fidget the hands and you're rattling a little bit. And then next thing you know, where uh, that red dot, or not the red, the, the white light, he had a red dot on his weapon too. Um, which is fine, but he, he, he saw it was, there were some shortcomings when you're trying to shoot at 400 meters. Red dots sure, leave yeah. some things to be desired. Even with a, a magnifier, I think it's it, it's not, it's suboptimal. Um, but uh, anyway, he switches that light on, stays on, and he had no idea because he's running dual tube knobs and he's just not paying attention. You know, now, I don't know how he didn't know because... You, you want to know a trick to using a, yeah. to using it if you're gonna use nods to try and zero a weapon at night, for instance. If you get a little square of glid tape, you know, glid tape is yeah. right. Oh yeah. Put it on your target. Yeah. And it, every time that IR laser hits that glid tape, it's gonna flash out. Yeah. And you'll know when to shoot. Yep. Yeah. It, it just. That's. Yeah. It's a it's a technique for getting on on target. But uh yeah, 
I, <laughs> I, I like things that have three. I, I know this guy named, uh, I think, Canterbury, I think is his name. But anyway, he, it, I, I heard this through a friend of mine. That, You're talking that about his, Dave? Dave Canterbury, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in Ohio. He, he has this saying that he doesn't like things that don't have at least um, three different purposes, right? So, yeah. like, my light, for instance... Like, if we're talking lights, you know, it would have a light, a laser, and maybe a red light, you know, or, or three different things. It does three things. So, like, right, I, I, right. I try and get things like that, like, instead of just a flashlight. Like, have yeah. have something that's got multiple functions, and then you can have choices because there's a time for everything. There's, I don't believe in saying there's, you know, you shouldn't have a white light on your on your weapon. But at the same time, there's times where you shouldn't have a white light on your weapon, you know. Right. So, you just choices. Choices are, are everything when yep. it comes to weapons. But I also believe in KISS. You know, keep it simple, stupid. So, the more the more gadgets you have, the more chances there are something's gonna not gonna work. You know, so it, yep. it, you know that that's kind of something that you have to weigh. You know, how how much shit do I like on my rifle versus you know having it slick and and not having to worry about any kind of malfunctions. Dude, and it, it, oh. and anything that's run by a battery, you know, has the chance that that. Murphy's law says anything bad that can happen will happen at the most inopportune time. Yes. So you can you can kind of expect that when you need that light, that battery is going to die out. You know. So if it if it takes batteries, you better be carrying extra batteries. Dude, that's uh, it's something that uh, Clay Martin was talking about. Um, it was a little while back. I used to tape batteries to my kit, man. Everywhere. Yeah. Anything oh, yeah, that had yeah, anything yeah. that had batteries, like my even my headlamp. I tape triple A's to, to the strap on my headlamp. Yeah. So that if that those went out, I had more batteries yeah, to put in. You know? It's uh, one of my M4s that, that I had uh, issued over the years. I had a Viltor buttstock on it. And, uh, you know, you had the, the, the Viltor buttstock and the, the LMT buttstock was the other one. Right. And it had, those, it had that side saddle on there that you could put the batteries in. Yes. You know, and, I totally and, remember what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah dude, because with the Pack 15 mm-hmm. you know, and the Pack 4 before that, yep. you know, we, we you're burning through batteries, and, and batteries are going to die on your kit. You know, nods is, is, is another one. I mean, you're changing batteries out in between iterations of the patrol, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, we were discussing a little while ago before we came on air, uh, one very long insertion that we had every security halt that we would stop mm-hmm. we were changing batteries in our knots oh yeah we'd go up and down the line change batteries in our knots just so they wouldn't die right just so they wouldn't die and that was like you know whenever you tell people that that haven't been like they haven't functioned on that level they're kind of like man that's a lot of batteries you're gonna go through yeah it is it is i mean it's it's no different than like you know ba- batteries i mean if you think about it Especially, what are the two most important things on a reconnaissance patrol? You know, your, your ability to, to see yep. and your ability to speak, right? right. The, that radio. Yep. Both of those things require, you know, unless it's daytime and you're looking through a scope, obviously that doesn't necessarily require batteries unless you're looking through. So a lot of these modern optics, it does. You know? It does, you know, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, you definitely need to, to consider that. I mean, I can remember back in the day, we used to have this, uh, <laughs> it looked like a, a little bicycle, you know, that had little pedals that came out and you could sit down and you could recharge your batteries. Wasn't that for, uh, they had a, it was a 5590. Yeah. 
that they, yeah. they can reach it. Yeah. 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 Oh man, dude, that's old school. Yeah, man. yeah. But I mean, you gotta you gotta come up with contingencies yeah. for that. You know, you, you, anytime you have anything that requires batteries, you need to expect that they're gonna fail on you when you need them the most, and have a plan to to have enough batteries to get you through that entire mission, whatever it is. You know, you know yep. whether that's you know you're 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 preparing yourself for shit hitting the fan or or you're actually going out and doing kinetic kinetic things you know um to protect yourself your property your family your loved ones your assets whatever you definitely want to take that into consideration but um thinking that that you know there's a battery out there that's going to run forever it's just not going to happen you know they're going to fail on you plus half the time especially on a weapon system how many times have you seen this where and i know for me like i used to run uh I want to say it was an M68. It was called. It was just a red yeah. dot scope. CCO. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, it had that that um it had the little dial on top that you could turn it on and off. And I would yeah. take a rubber band, and I would put it around it so that it would hold it in the off position. You know, yeah, because that thing would like just a detent. Well, off. if it just if it just rubbed against your shirt, and I'm left-handed, yeah. so that it, it it the way that I would I, I yeah. would rig it. Yep. It almost always would turn on. You know that red dot. Yeah. And then when I go to use it, it's dead. You know, yep. that little battery. So. Yeah, it had those little watch batteries. Yes, that exactly. Like yeah. Hearing aid batteries. Yeah, right. They were a little thicker. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yep. And uh, and and I keep extra batteries too. You know, but I put that that rubber band on it to keep it off. You know, I'd keep it pulled in uh, towards the off position until I needed it. You know, because sure enough, man, anytime I needed it, it was dead because yep. I, it, just from rubbing up against me when I was walking, it would turn on. You know. Dude. God bless ACOGs. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't have to worry about that anymore until yeah. we until we started putting the doctor optic on top of the mm -hmm. ACOG. Yep, yep. And they would all get sheared off, and it was like, uh, it's a good idea on paper, <laughs> but it's, you know, like, uh, execution's a little bit poor here. You know, now now like the big thing is that to piggyback red dots on, on the back of like LPVOs. And yeah, stuff, yeah. Which is, I mean. You know, if you're going to go that route, cool, um, for passive aiming, I totally get it under nods. Yeah. It, it works well, but, again, it, you're It's a big offset, though. Yes, you know? it is. Yeah, and, and as long as you understand that, that's fine, you know. Yep. But, you know, where I've seen stuff like that go wrong is when people, <laughs> like, you ever see a Humvee get shot up by the guy shooting? Oh, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it happens all the time. I bring that up in class. Yeah. In, in the fight and carving course, like guys shooting don't on the hood, know they're offset. Yeah, yeah. It's um, I always bring up the example of this this cat that I knew on my first deployment. He was a forward observer, uh, so he's he's a fister, thirteen fox, and he was shooting. We were in a tick. We're up on this wall, like you know, mud hut mm -hmm. style fucking wall, and we're all shooting over it, and he is shooting into it. And like throwing brass and lead sure. out, didn't like totally didn't even didn't realize know. it. Yeah, yeah and, and he got trapped mm -hmm. like into his legs. I bet it, it yeah. went it, it like went around his groin protector, went into his legs, and all of a sudden he's fucking like does doesn't know it at first. Mm -hmm. He's like, oh my god, my legs are fucking burning! <laughs> like, you know, and he, he like his pants are all ripped up. Like, dude, you know. You're freaking shooting yourself, like like you're getting brass and shit, like all all in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's because he totally didn't know his offset. Yeah. You know, and and um, 
not really his fault. I mean, he. Well, I mean, it is. Well, it is his fault, but heat of the moment. You know, it, it comes down to fundamentals and just, you know, I, I, I can't stress that enough with people. You know, is that we. We all want to do these complex maneuvers and complex things, but it comes down to understanding your equipment and its its abilities and its limitations. Yep. You know, and particularly with a weapon system, you know, it's just time. You have to you have to get that muscle memory with that weapon system, where you're just constantly doing, you know, whatever it is that you're doing, whether you're shooting, moving, or communicating, just being comfortable with that weapon. And understanding the optics, making sure that they're zeroed to the weapon or that you understand the offset, you know. And, and the thing is, when it comes time to shoot a weapon for real in a, in a you know, to either in a defensive or offensive capacity, particularly in a defensive capacity, because you probably got caught off guard if, in that situation, right. you know, that's when the adrenaline tends to really soar. Yep. And you're going to fall back to whatever you know whatever your habit is whatever it is that you're used to doing so for that particular guy that and that guy i'm just saying that that guy because i don't want to name him but i've seen it <laughs> i've seen it happen actually multiple times yep where he's just used to looking in a scope and thinking that point of aim point of impact i'm going to look at my scope i'm going to shoot something and the round's going to go to what i'm shooting at and he's not thinking holy shit that barrel is eight ten inches lower than what i'm looking at right now you know, yeah, yeah. So, it is important. It's, Under it's, duress, you know, but but du in duress, you always go back to what your base knowledge is. You know, what whatever that is. If you, it's like in a fight. You know, if you if you're a wrestler, if you grew up wrestling, I guarantee you that fight's going to the floor. You know, you're gonna yeah. that's that's your that's your go-to. You know, and it's because that's what you've trained for. That's what you're gonna be prepared for. That's what you're gonna do when you're not thinking of it, because that's the zen of it, you know? It's like driving a car. A kid runs in front of your car, what happens? You know, your foot comes off the gas, hits the brake, or whatever, you swerve, whatever it is, you didn't really think about it, you just did it, you know? And, and that's the same thing with shooting. You're gonna go back to whatever, and unless you don't have anything, then you're gonna panic. That's what panic comes from, is when you don't have those tools in your toolbox, yep. you know? So it is important to, Learn good form, learn good technique, and then do it many, many times over again until you gain that muscle memory. I like to say muscle memory. There's a lot of guys that have pet peeve against that, that term nah, for those guys. Sorry. Team. But, uh, yeah. Because that, that is what it is. I, I mean. Yeah, you know, I've, I've got friends that are like, well, muscles don't have memories, you know. <laughs> it's in your head. <laughs> But, not, you know, whatever you want to call yeah, it, we, we all know what we're talking about, I what I'm talking about. I wasn't smart enough to study uh, kinesthetics in college. Yeah. I wasn't, you know, like, <laughs> like I'm, I'm just a sociology guy, man. I'm not, I'm not that smart. I barely got through statistics. American man. Military University, baby. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's, uh, that, yeah, I use that term, too, like muscle yeah. memory. Like, um, when, when I tell people in class in, in the uh, weapons manipulation courses, um, is you know the fighting carbine course which we had last weekend um read the book of five rings read hagakuri right so these these are both uh very important texts when it comes to japanese sword fighting specifically but with uh with the book of five rings 
it boils down a training methodology, uh, which, which was obviously very successful, is that Miyamoto Masashi was a, a highly successful sword fighter. Um, but it was kind of a reflection of his training methodology. And then Hagakure was more uh, the actual art of Bushido. It was, it was a more refined and specific mm-hmm. text. And the way that both of them, both of those works break it down is that you, you take uh, your movement, whatever it is, and you seek to eliminate erroneous movements, that you're boiling everything down to one specific, like as, as few movements as possible, so the economy right. of human motion. That's exactly, you know, people can use whatever term they like for it, but that is exactly what it is you, you know, yeah absolutely magazine changes I, I hammer magazine changes because you know the whole ready up with or without retention both yeah both yeah um you know obviously without retention middle of a firefight because i've never known anybody who can accurately count how much they've they've shot under duress i mean you know oh right. i've shot exactly 26 rounds dude no it's not yeah um you're, you're going through rounds. And, Usually and, you're talking mags. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, I got a mag exactly. left. Yeah. I got a mag is, and a half left. Yeah, that, that's I'm tangible. Black. Yeah. You know, especially people who haven't been initiated to violence. Mm-hmm. They've, they've never had to really trigger that, the, like, the real deal fight or flight, you know, where you're in combat, you mm-hmm. know, and you realize you're in combat. You know, whether you're on the receiving end of it or you're the one that initiated the violence. For a lot of people, like, you know, I share the story of the very first firefight I was ever in. I, I fucking froze. I was cemented to, I was, I was in place by my team leader. One of our guys had just got shot. And I was just like, I, I was catatonic. Like, people mm. were yelling at me. Oh, yeah. And I had no idea how many rounds I had fired. I really had no idea exactly you know, what I had done. The first time I was shot at, I didn't even realize I was being shot at. Like, I had never I had never been shot at, so I thought it would sound the same way it does when I shoot my weapon. You know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't realize it was going to be, like, back <laughs> over my head, you know. <laughs> totally <laughs> different, man. Yeah. So, it, it, it is definitely um, an interesting situation, you know. People react differently. But at the end of the day, you know, and I'm going to assume you, you fell back into how you're trained. You know, you're going to oh, go yeah. first thing, you know, hey, take cover. Yep. Right. Find concealment. Find yep. cover. You yep. know, was, get, get out of the line of fire. I was, <laughs> I, I was literally married to the corner of this building. Like, it was, it was a mud hut. And, you know, we, we had that, that linear danger area, that fatal funnel. that mm-hmm. It was an alleyway, literally, that we were getting shot at from. <clears throat> and um, I was married to that corner. Like, that was it. And anything that came down there, like... So I, I was I was no longer listening to or paying attention to reality. Like, mm-hmm. that was... It, nothing I, nothing that I could be told. Like, it, it just wasn't, wasn't happening. And uh, my first squad leader, this giant Samoan dude, grabs me, literally by the back of the head, and, like, started dragging me. We were, we were breaking contact. And, uh, you know, we had put in casualty collection point, and, uh, and, and it was just like, I have no idea what was going on other than mm-hmm. some giant 
friggin' Samoan is, is now dragging <laughs> me. And it took me a little bit to, mm-hmm. to, to, like, come back to reality. But after that, and I always default to that. Like, I'll, I'll always, um, when, when I share that, I always explain, like, this, this is what happens. Because um, that, that's an initiation into violence. So everything that happened after that, all the things that occurred after that, that was a very good frame of reference. Sure. Um, you know, the, the, the other thing, and it's important, because I've seen people do, do similar things and it ruined them. Because they never had the opportunity to, 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 to do, you know, basically what they were trained to do, you know, it's the end because that was their only time that they ever were in that type of situation. You know, it's something that, and that's, that's why, you know, you can't look at a moment in time and, and say, well, that's, that's how you're going to be all the time because everything is based off experiences, you know, and the more, the more experiences that you have in life that are similar, the the more comfortable you're going to become with it. I'm not saying that I'm not trying to sit here and say that I'm some, you know, superhero that, that can, uh, stand in front of bullets and not be afraid. You know, everybody's there. There's a certain level of fear that's healthy. that keeps you safe. It keeps you cautious, you know, but you don't ever want to get to a point where fear becomes panic. And the way to do that is through training. You know, it's the only way, um, other than, you know, baptism by fire, where you're just thrown into it, and, and you're you, lucky you, if you, you, make it out. you either make it out or you don't. It's, you it's know? a zero-sum yeah. game. But for for most of us out there, you know, luckily, training is something that you can do on your time. You know, you can't you can't react to contact on your time. You're now on somebody else's time. At that point, yep. You know. But you can train on your time. And the more you train, the more likely you are to do what you do in training in combat or in conflict. You know, And that's why in the Special Forces we take training so seriously. And rehearsals, you know, and planning. When we plan for a mission, you know, we could take upwards of you know, months before we do it. If we're doing like a full mission profile and you do an area study, you do, you know, you, do, you spend months studying and practicing and rehearsing whatever it is that you're going to do so that when you go in everybody knows everybody's job as good as possible everybody's cross-trained everybody knows what to do in a contingency and contingencies are the biggest thing that you need to rehearse you know anybody can do you know any mission smoothly if nobody's shooting at them but contingencies are what are what happens when shit goes wrong and you need to plan for those things you know you can't say also well, it's never happened before, so it's never going to happen. That's the worst thing you could do. <laughs> you know. Well, we never got blew up on that yeah, route. Yeah, exactly. So that ain't going to happen. Right. Like, you know, you always have to is. plan for the worst. You know, yeah. always. It's um, uh, yeah, but I mean, you know, we're we're talking about combat, obviously, but that extends to everything. I mean, when you're, you're talking about um, preparing yourself for things that. You know, life throws us all kinds of stuff, man. And um, understanding that, recognizing that, and and really uh, distilling that down to those experiences and, and getting us squared away, you know, I think that, that that's a cornerstone um, 
takeaway from really the whole survival preparedness movement. It doesn't matter what the domain is. Like they, there's so much back and forth that people have. They, they you know, kind of have their personal interpretation of what quote unquote survival is. Well, you know, that could be surviving a friggin' robbery. You know, yeah, you get a mug. Survival. It's yeah. exactly what it sounds you're, like. You're making it through, <laughs> like whatever it is. Like people, yeah. people boil it down. They think that it's like, you know, making uh, bush shelters and fire. And right. Like, yeah, that, that's a big. Well, part that's of it one too, of the things. Man. That's why, I, and if you notice, like my first book is the Greenberg Survival Guide, but it's not about bushcrafting. Right. You know, that's the book that just came out. So, yeah. you know, survival is survival. It doesn't. It, it where you're surviving is that's just the vehicle right but the act of surviving is is what we're talking about and it, it covers it's a full spectrum right it covers everything from how to survive you know a, a terrorist attack all the way to what if you get lost in the woods yeah you know so all those things are skill sets that that you want to possess or at least have a basic fundamental knowledge of you know and you can get that from both of my books together that's why i like them as a set yeah um, but yeah, yeah, definitely go check that out. If you're looking at, if you want to get a full spectrum of the word survival, you know, and, and, and how to actually do that, you know, step by step, these are really good books to have. And uh, they'll, they'll help you out, I think. You know, it's, and that's, that's was my intention for writing them, was to give people, you know, some, some route to set up their own training programs and something, uh, to help them from home security, travel safety, you know, terrorism, active shooter, all the way to uh, bushcraft survival, you know, anything like that. So those are the kinds of things they're going to learn if they if they get one of these books. But you've got classes too, right? I do. Um, I've got to have a, a, a small business. Uh, we we teach. It's it's not quite as um, expansive as what you've got going on here. Um, we teach pistol, rifle, and shotgun. We do a basic and an advanced course, and we also teach the North Carolina concealed carry course. So those are the and, and we do some other stuff, but that's basically it when it comes to weapons. We also do some uh, advisory work on uh, active shooter for for different venues. Um, but yeah, you could check that out if you go to jmdynamic.com. That's jm. D-Y-N-A-M-I-C dot com. Yeah, right on, man. Yeah, and you can also, if you go to my bio on that website, it's got the links to both of my books. And you can get them in, at uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million. Yeah, definitely, dude. Definitely. Brother, it has been really an awesome, uh, you know, coming in. 45 minutes, almost 46 minutes, man, just sharing wisdom with you, taking some time out of your day. Yeah, right on. Set aside, you know, coming up here, uh, breaking a little bread. We're, we're, we're like neighbors, time. man. We live, yeah. we're close. I didn't realize how close <laughs> I lived here. Dude, you know, having you come out for the scout course and the recce course, I think you're going to have a hell of a good time for that team. I look forward to being here. Yeah, man. Anyway, brother, thank you so much for being on. We're gonna to have to do this again. We need to. We need to set aside an episode where we talk about blades. Let's do it, man. Because uh, yeah. I think that's uh, a lot of you. You 
having a background as a SEER instructor too, you've got, you've probably seen every knife. Well, I didn't work blade style. Actually, in the we we we're split up into and in SEER into four committees. Mm-hmm. So you got survival, evasion, resistance, and escape. I didn't work in the survival committee, so I didn't actually have I don't have a strong background when it comes to that through that school but I've been to a lot of different SEER schools and it's a hobby of mine so I just, let's get that out there because I know there's some SEER guys going I don't remember that guy from the survival committee that's because I wasn't on the survival committee and we know where I work yeah. we're not going to talk about it here though uh, <laughs> hell yeah man oh, I know exactly what you mean I know exactly what you mean anyway jmdynamic.com Ryan thanks brother Thank you. Good being here, Matt. Yeah, bro. And definitely uh, check out brushbeater.store. Got all the field manuals over there back in stock. And and one thing that I want to point out, the IR lasers, the designate IR, um, you rowdy pack of wolves out there completely cleaned me out yesterday. I put up one photo of me packing up an order and it goes on social media and all of a sudden you you crazy wild men out there clean me out but the good news is is that i've got more that are coming talk to uh my contact over at the manufacturer we've got more that are going to be coming and i've got um that's going to be the remainder of the run the first run that we had for that and i've got more that are going to be on the way because i just put in a second order this morning so we've got a lot of IR lasers coming in. I'm going to have the first batch of nods and thermal coming in as well. Uh, but whole lot of products. All your communications needs are going to be over at brushbeater.store as well as the training calendar and all the enrollment info over there. With that said, folks, God bless. And I'll talk to you again very, very soon. This is NC Scout.